Do you worry about tomorrow? Does the future feel uncertain? Is the past too painful to bear? Focus on the Family Canada is here to help, so you never have to walk alone. Every morning, our staff lift up your prayer requests. If your burdens are too much to carry on your own, you can request a free one-time call with one of our counselors at focusonthefamily.ca today. That's focusonthefamily.ca. We're here to help. You know, I think initially they have to have a plan. So I would say get an index card. It sounds so simple. Get an index card and write down your number one financial goal. Doesn't matter if you have enough money or you even think you're going to have enough. Just write down that goal. It could be to pay off my house before I retire or to send my kids to college or to save enough for one month's emergency. Uh, And then write that on the card and let that be the beginning of saving for you. Michelle Singletary is a personal finance columnist for the Washington Post, and she has a good word of advice for the person who's living paycheck to paycheck. Well, it sounds kind of simple, doesn't it? Michelle Singletary has some great insights for you, even if you think, I can't get there. She'll offer ways you can on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. And Jim, for so many families and so many individuals, uh, it can sure feel like the money comes in and the money goes right back out. Well, it does, especially with inflation. Sometimes I'm shocked when I'm paying the bills, car insurance, medical bills, gas bills. The the costs just go on and on, Mm -hmm. right? And those things keep going up. It's hard to uh, keep up with it. And whether you have a lot of money or a little It's a huge point of stress. Uh, Conflicts about money are one of the top contributors to marital strife. And maybe we'll uncover what's behind that stress today. And as I said, uh, Michelle Singletary writes for the Washington Post. She's written a number of books, including The 21-Day Financial Fast. And we do have copies of that book here at focusonthefamily.ca or call 1-800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY. Let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with Michelle on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Well, Michelle, let me welcome you to Focus. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy. Oh, that is kind (laughs) of you. Now, you're working full-time at the Washington Post creating that column to help people with their money issues. What's something that you see in that position working with a broad spectrum of people? What do they say is causing them heartache? I think two major things, their inability to save and, and their debt load. Um, and it's just weighing so heavily on folks um, that they don't see a way out. And they just, they do, they just throw their hands up because they, they can't save enough. Uh, and then they can't save enough because they have so much debt. Now, are, are you, um, and I, I mean this sincerely, are you saying that when you look at 130 dollar energy bill per month and you're looking at a couple hundred dollars on auto insurance and you're trying to pay your rent which varies around the country I get that but even here in Colorado Springs I mean you're paying maybe mm-hmm. 1400 to rent an apartment um, those are big expenses it is um, how do you get ahead when you're again barely making it I mean it's like you're bringing in uh, 3000 a month and you're spending 3000 a month right. on those essentials right You know, I actually want to use an analogy. At our church, we have altar call every Sunday. And lots of people sit there and they say to themselves, I'm not ready to go. I'm not good enough to go. 
and and they they delay it. Um, and it's the same thing with your money. People think I just can't do it. And and absolutely, the bills are high, the rent is high, energy is high. But you can't wait till you're ready to do it. Just like you can't wait ready to accept Christ. So you have to just leap out there. And what does that mean? It means making different choices. Mm -hmm. It may mean that you can't live in that apartment by yourself. It may mean that your kid can't go out of state for college. They have to go in state and maybe they can't even stay on campus. So you have to know that you've got to make better choices. Just like when you choose to accept Christ, you've got to make better choices, but you don't come perfect. And it's the same thing with your money. And I have to remove that from people. That I can't spirit. You mm. got to get rid of that I can't spirit, or you won't be able to do it. Do you think it's fair to say that people live in categories? I hate to say that, but when you're, uh, you know, just making enough to pay the bills, and then there's those that have a little more discretionary income and they're making perhaps poor choices. Right. And then even, you know, it's so funny when you talk to financial experts, and I'm sure you're right in there as a financial expert, you talk to people that make what seems like quite a bit of money, maybe six figures, 100000 maybe 150000 they seem to be struggling too. Yeah, everybody's struggling. <laughs> I tell now, you. How does that happen? I know somebody making $50,000 right. a year would look at somebody making 150000 they'd say, if I had that, I would be fine. But you talk to those that have it and they're going, we're squeezed. Right. How does that happen? Because the more you make, the more you spend. And if you remember, all of us, when we started out at our first job, we thought, oh my goodness, this is no money. And then as soon as you start making more money, what did you start doing? You elevated your standard of living <laughs> mm-hmm, right. so that you started to live up to what you make. You know, I was raised by my grandmother. I'm going to call her Big Mama. I say that again because that, there's a story My Big there. Mama. Big I Mama. I was raised by my grandmother who we call Big Mama. It's The funny thing is she wasn't a big woman at all. <laughs> right, but big in your eyes. But big in my yeah. eyes. Um, <laughs> and she made minimum wage and she took in five of us. There was five grandchildren she took in and I was one of the five. Um, and she made what we would consider I mean, she lived below the poverty line. And yet my grandmother was able to save and pay off her cars early. And when she retired, her home was paid off. And so when I look at her and I think, oh, she could do it. Now, mind you, she didn't do it back in the 40s. My grandmother, you know, passed away um, in the early 90s. So we're not talking when, you know, bread was, you know, five cents. Um, And I just look at her as the example because she never elevated herself up to where her salary was. Mm. Um, And so you could be making $20,000 and still find something to save. You can be making $200,000 and you absolutely should be finding something to save. And I work with people at all income levels. And it does astound me that people making six figures have less than people I know making twenty or $30,000 a year. When some of those big decisions they make, uh, you know, ends up costing them a lot. Absolutely. Because they're buying bigger houses, bigger cars, and that trap, right. you know, if something falls apart like their job, right. they're really in trouble. I do want to push you a little bit, Michelle, with Big Mama. I love that. This <laughs> is so fun. Uh, in your book, The 21-Day Financial Fast, you reference, though, um, kind of the residue of living and growing up in Big Mama's house because she was very thrifty. Yeah. And it made you, if I'm saying it correctly, uh, fearful of spending and being poor. Talk about that and how you manage that. Right. You know, I always describe my grandmother as a cross between a drill sergeant and a guardian angel. Uh, and so the drill sergeant in her taught me how to handle money amazingly so. I used to say that my grandmother could hold a penny and make Lincoln scream. <laughs> a drill sergeant a captures it. Yes. And, you know, the guardian angel part of her 
what she showered down on me though, however, was to be afraid. She was, even though she was a great money manager, she was always afraid of something happening. And when you live at that level, losing your job is devastating because you know, you don't, she has savings, but maybe not enough to, to raise five grandchildren. And so she did instill in me a fear, uh, fear spending. Mm. Um, and so even though I made, as I made more money, I, you cannot grip money out of my hands. I mean, I just, I, I hate spending. In fact, I tell people this and they're shocked. My husband is the family CFO because if it was left up to me to pay anything, we would not, we would be running around buck naked. I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm, I'm being completely honest. You, you know, are we, uh, pretty tight. <laughs> I'm really tight. And I had to learn because I know that there's some folks out there who are good stewards over their money. I had to learn that it's okay to spend if you have all your financial ducks in a row, which I do. It's okay that when it comes time for your 15-year-old car, you know, even though it still runs, that it's okay to get another car. And guess what? You could actually even get a new car. Are. You know, it's okay to buy new shoes. And, That's know. good. I'm feeling good about my 05 Highlander, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I drive every day. Right. I got five more years out of that mm-hmm. thing. Easily. So, you know, we all have uh, yokes to break. And um, that's why that's one of the reasons mm. why I wrote the book. Um, and my yoke was fear. Uh-huh. You know, I always had this sort of bag lady syndrome that I'd end up as a bag lady. Now, I'm the product of Big Mama. I would never be that woman, but I was always fearful. So for mm-hmm. me, I had to learn to be okay with the wealth that I've accumulated through the grace of God. And so that's my yoke. Now, other folks have different yokes. Um, and some people might think, oh, that's a great you know, problem to have, but you don't want to be miserly. And I'm not miserly, um, but I always fight against that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that I challenge myself to make sure. Um, and my husband and I are very generous and we tithe and, and so forth. But, you know, when I first started tithing, it was just like, oh, you know, I'm not going to have money for food, <laughs> which is well, crazy. Yeah, no. um, and I do. Uh, and so that's what I've been struggling with. And I still struggle. I'm better. Mm-hmm. I'm better. Well, let me ask you this before I do. We are going to get there. To the 21 the day 21 day fast. <laughs> I want to talk to you about that. But, you know, um, when you're coming from really tight resources, uh, that was my mom. She was a single parent mom after she and my dad divorced. We lived in some bad neighborhoods. I went to third grade in Compton. Mm. My point in saying all that, though, is just whether you're coming from a uh, poor white community, a poor African American community, a poor Latino community. Um, it doesn't race doesn't matter. I experienced it. Uh, these things, these uh, principles, are important to embrace. Right. But talk about that distinction. Sometimes um, we feel um, the load is too much, right. and we look for reasons as to why. And maybe opportunity isn't quite the same for yeah. everybody. Yeah. I don't mind talking about that too. But talk about um, just the idea of the poor and what we need to be thinking about. You know, I'm glad you asked that question because whenever I speak, there's always someone who will stand up, you know, in a way of challenging me. Well, you know, there's a lot of poor people, so how can you tell them to save when they don't have any money? Well, what would you say I should tell them as an alternative? Um, Because Mm. no matter what you earn, you've got to figure out a way to live within that means. Now, I have different messages where I try to help them get a better education and and better skill building. Um, And I always think about it like Paul. You know, Paul said, I have learned to live when I don't have a lot 
and when I have a lot. And that message resonates whether you are poor or wealthy. Mm. And that's the message I try to give out to folks. Listen, I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to actually be hungry. And so I know what they're going through. I went through it. I was raised with it. But I also know that I had a grandmother who had a minimum wage job, five grandchildren. She did not take welfare Mm. and still was able to save and feed us. Maybe we didn't have enough for seconds. So you had to hover over your food. (laughs) Okay, somebody, because I'm a very slow eater. And so, you know, if you didn't hover over your food, someone's going to (laughs) slip your chicken off your plate. (laughs) I know that feeling. (laughs) So I know. So we had enough. Maybe not. You know, an abundance, but she always had food on our table and clothes on our uh, backs. Maybe we didn't have two pairs of shoes, but we had a pair of shoes. So I know where you're coming from. And now that I'm living better, I don't talk from the advantage of someone who grew up with a silver spoon. And so it's so funny because whenever I talk to people, it's like I'm like the poster child for every possible demographic there is. I'm African-American. I'm woman. I'm married. I grew up poor. I'm wealthy now. (laughs) You know, know, my son has autism, so I know what it's like to live with a disability. I had a disability. I had to, you know, help my grandmother in her later years. She was dying. I've been a caretaker um, because my brother had... Had my one of my brothers had epilepsy, so I had to take care of him both physically and financially. When I graduated from college, my grandmother turned over the care of him to me, hmm. um, and oh and I had to take care of him until he passed away in his early thirties from a massive seizure. So I cross every possible, you know, demographic, and so I I completely understand where everyone sits, hmm. uh, and so I think that the message has to be both personal responsibility, but also compassion. Right. And, and while they are helping themselves, we need to put things in place to help them. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. After 11 years, Brett's marriage had grown stale. He wanted something better for he and his wife. Focus on the families helped our marriage from the standpoint of opening our hearts to things from the other's perspective and to make sure that God is centered in our marriage. I'm Jim Daly. Together we can save more marriages like Brett's and give families hope. Donate at focusonthefamily.ca slash give. Focus on the Family Canada wants to inspire teen girls to grow in their faith with a new and improved Brio magazine. By nearly doubling the size of each magazine, teen girls will love the fresh new design, including more articles, interviews, and daily devotions focused on a growing faith in Christ. Inspire teen girls to grow in their faith. Order your subscription today at briomagazine.ca. That's briomagazine.ca. Or call 1-800-8-FAMILY. Looking for advice on how to stay sane while you parent your children? Or some great laughs and heartfelt stories about how God works in the family? Focus on the Family invites you to join listeners from across the country as they tune into the daily broadcast with Jim Daly and John Fuller. Get the free app for your Apple, Android, or Windows mobile device and receive inspirational, godly encouragement when you need it most. Get the free app today at focusonthefamily.ca mobile or visit your Apple, Google, or Windows app store. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, Michelle Singletary, our guest today on Focus on the Family with her book, The 21-Day Financial Fast. 
I think we've set it up. Now let's talk <laughs> about it. Um, where did you connect with this idea about fasting and applying it to your money? Wow. Um, well, at my church, and I belong to First Baptist Church of Glenard in Maryland, um, and the pastor's John K. Jenkins Sr., wonderful uh, teaching <laughs> pastor. Um, and so a lot of the ministries at our church at the beginning of the year do the Daniel Fast. And for those who are not familiar with the Daniel Fast, you basically fast from meats and sweets and artificial anything, and it's just fruits and vegetables. It's just a healthy way. And then during the fast, you're looking to God, you're praying, you're kind of recentering yourself. And you're getting rid of yokes and things that you have, things that tug on your life that you should get rid of. So every year we do it at the beginning of the year. And about halfway through, I was, I'll was i be honest, I was struggling. How long do you go? It's 21 days. Okay. And I needed some meat. <laughs> halfway through. You were tired of fasting. I was tired of fasting. Fruits and vegetables were you getting know, thin. Get them getting thin. You know, how many potatoes can you eat? <laughs> you know? And I was thinking about how much I was thinking about food and how much I was thinking, you know what, this is really healthier um, and I'm okay, even though I was joking about, you know, and it's a balance, right? And that once I came off the fast, I wanted to be sure to keep the focus on vegetables and healthy eating. And doing it, I thought, I wonder if I could do something similar with people and their money. What if I had them fast from unnecessary spending and credit and Mm -hmm. plastic? So that you completely shut it down. Because when you shut something down, you start to really sort of think about what you've been doing with your life. In one case, it's food, but in the other case, money. Hmm. You know, so when you're not, because we are always unconsciously thinking about spending and not even realizing it, which is what our conscious means. And so we're, you know, going out and get a coffee or getting a bun or getting chips or, you know, whatever it is. And we're running, taking our kids to stuff. And so we don't think to pack the stuff so that they eat healthy. We're just going to fast food because we're on a rush and we can't, we don't have time to think about money and what this is costing us. And so for 21 days, you get shut down from all of that. Now, people will sort of joke, you know, oh, do I pay my rent and stuff? No, no, that's crazy. Right. I'm going to co- invent a fast where you don't pay your bills. You know? Right. That's not, no, that's so called you go pay to jail. all your bills, including <laughs> your credit card bills. You pay your rent, your mortgage, your cell phone and everything. What you don't do is no unnecessary spending. And even grocery stores, because lots of people have issues, they overspend at the grocery store. Um, and so you have to have a tight grocery budget and you can only use cash. Because the thing about cash, because people think, you know, debit is sort of the new cash, people think. But a debit card is not the same as cash. Because here's the thing. There's studies that show that when you use plastic, debit or credit, you spend more than if you had cash. So if you had to go to the grocery store, most of us take multiple runs during the week. And all those runs mostly to fill, you know, milk and vegetables, right? That's what we say. So we go in. We just need a gallon of milk and some eggs and some veggies. Don't forget that ice cream. And Well, see, there you (laughs) go, right there. dairy product. So right must <laughs> So you go in with like three things on your list. You come out with 20 things mm-hmm. on your list. And if you only had $20, you could only buy those three things. But because you have a debit card, because you have a credit card, you can overspend. And so I want you to get acquainted with mm. limitations. And mm. so the fast is to shut it down. Limitations, limitations, limitations. And so and then credit, obviously, to get you starting thinking about debt. And people think, oh, it's easy. I could do that for 21 days. About day three, I start getting emails from people like, you are crazy. I can't let, you know, because we just, we just spend so much Mm -hmm. and we don't prioritize our spending. And I had people talk about how, you know, one woman said day three, she stopped smoking because she Uh. realized how much she was spending on cigarettes, Mm -hmm. which is a 
enormously expensive habit. I mean, people were saying, I didn't realize how much I was spending eating out for lunch. Now, here's the thing. Most financial experts will say, you know, cut out the expensive coffee, cut out this because you'll save millions, which is really the math doesn't work. Um, I don't tell you any of that because here's the difference with me. You decide what is important for your budget. And if getting that expensive, nicely brewed coffee in the morning is what you like and it will keep you, if you don't mind, from slapping your coworkers, because, you know, we got some. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely get that coffee. (laughs) Definitely get that coffee. But here's the thing. You can't get the coffee and eat out at your lunch and buy all the clothes and buy the car and send your kids to us and da-da-da-da-da. You can't do it all. Even Bill Gates, one of the richest men in America, could go broke. Because you got to put limits on it. So the fast helps you shut. When you shut down everything, when it comes time to reboot, you have now figured out what really matters to you. Hey, I really like that coffee. But you know what? I can make my lunch. That's what the fast does. Yeah, some trade-offs. And, man, you are going. And I want to (laughs) go. I got (laughs) to go. No, it's good. Because I want to take you back to something you said. My mind is right there with limiting the amount of cash you take to the grocery store hmm. i think is what you're implying right. i'd never thought about that cuz i just you know guys and women too purses and wallets we have plastic we got right. even cash we've got in there but if i said to myself i just need these four things and then take just that amount of cash roughly kind of right. calculate it 4 bucks for milk whatever else and just put that much cash and don't spend the credit card. That mm. does give you the discipline. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And when I say cash, people freak out. Well, what do you mean? i got to walk around with $1,000? Like, seriously? We, that's how we think these days. No, you take out just enough that you need for that day or that week, mm. uh, and you only take that. And the thing is, we've got to get rid of this. I mean, think about it now. They have set up credit and plastic debit, so it's so easy That you don't remember, I mean, I'm kind of dating myself. Remember how they had to pull out the machine and they had to put the card in and slide it, you know, and it took about five or ten minutes. Now you can walk past machines with your keys and pay for stuff. Flash the card. We can flash our phones and pay something. Mm -hmm. And it's not done without thought because they have people who study how to reduce the amount of time it takes for you to pay for stuff. Mm -hmm. So if it's really quick, you're not making that calculation in your mind. Hey, this is kind of expensive. If we had to pay cash for our cars, most of us would be driving Ford Focuses. (laughs) (laughs) Ford Focuses, they're relatively cheap. Relatively cheap because if you had to lay out all that money, Mm -hmm. you know, like just take big screen TVs. You know, you could get a big screen TV for two 2000 maybe a nice one, 3000 If you had to go to the store and hand out those $100 bills, probably about $500, you'd be thinking, I don't really need this TV. Um, and I'm not saying don't get the big screen TV. I'm just saying we need to think about how much we are spending before we spend it. Let me ask you this then. With uh, the 20, 30-somethings, uh, is this more of a problem oh, because yeah. they're more inclined to use technology to pay their bills Sometimes my kids will laugh at me that I'm writing a check. Right. They go, you don't have to write a check. We had that the other day. We went to deposit a check at the bank, and Jean said it was one of those young women talking to an older woman moment. And she's going, you know, you can just take a photo of that check and deposit it straight to us with a photo from your house. And Jean's like, I felt like I was so old. I said, you could really do that? And the woman said, yeah, that's the way most people do it now. 
funny. But that that does prove the point. There's so much technology. Twenty, thirty somethings are so mm. into it. Does it reduce their ability to say no? Are you seeing more of a need for financial counseling? within that community than mm. perhaps an older community that did it the old-fashioned way? You know, honestly, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see uh, financial illiteracy and inability to handle money from people who are 15 to people who are 100. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, or maybe I don't 90, I think, is the oldest I've actually helped counsel. Um, no, I think it's not the age. It's our society. Mm. And so I see young folks who are, who are good with their money. I see young folks who are not good with their money. I see middle-aged folks who are awful with their money and who are good with their money. I'm seeing it across the board. Mm. Uh, And my challenge is to get rid of those messages that they have to overspend. Well, what I'd like to do is come back next time. You talk about an acronym PAY, and I want to start next time with that. But tell us now what PAY means. So what I try to do is build in things to help people join the fast. Um, And so you want to start out by praying about what you want. Um, Because oftentimes we think we want something and we really aren't doing what it takes to get that. And so I, you know, every beginning, because you read one chapter a day. And so at the beginning of each day in each chapter, I want you to pray and ask, what is God's will for your life when it comes to your finances? And then act at the end of every chapter, every day, there's an assignment that I give you because, you know, sometimes as Christians, sometimes, you know, we go, oh, the Lord going to make a way. Well, you know, he's going to make a way if you help him. <laughs> you know? I mean, I like though when they talk about the whole armor of God, when it says, when you've done all that you can, right, mm-hmm. then you stand. See, people forget that first part. When you've done all that you can, then you stand. Because mm-hmm. God's got, he's got your back. But there's some things that you have to do. Um, and so you've got to act. So, for example, I think day seven, when I talk about budgeting, you actually have to do a budget. <laughs> you, know? right. you actually have to save. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. you know Proverbs, it talks about the ants and yeah. how they work all year round to store up. Why everybody's a grasshopper, everybody's having a good old time during summer. And they're like, you know, look. When it's going to come, we got to make sure we have story. Same thing. So you got to pray. Then you have to act. Um, and then yield. Because what is God asking you to do? And here's the thing about that yielding. Because lots of times I, when I go to forums, people talk about entrepreneurship, for example, as if everybody should be an entrepreneur. I believe in entrepreneurship, but not for everybody. Because maybe God's will is for you to be a teacher. Mm. Maybe God's will is for you to be a bus driver. Maybe God's will is for you to be a counselor. And so you've got to figure out where you're supposed to be, and then you handle your money accordingly. For example, my daughter uh, wants to be a teacher. She wants to be in education. So what's the first thing people say when someone wants to be a teacher? How can you afford to do that? Right. But you know what? The people who made the biggest difference in my life were educators. So I am not going to discourage my child from being an educator because she may not earn six figures. What I'm going to do is teach my child to pray, to act, and to yield. And Mm -hmm. so that she will have enough money for what she was to do in life. Mm -hmm. And so that's what pay is all about. Uh, It's good. Michelle Singletary, author of the book, The 21 Day Financial Fast. Uh, Let's pick it up next time. I've got some more, hopefully, hard questions for you. (laughs) And uh, can you stick with us? I sure can. All right, let's do it. What a fun, engaging conversation with Michelle Singletary. And I do hope you've been uh, inspired by her idea of a 21-day financial fast uh, to get your money situation in order. Get a copy of that book by Michelle and follow the outline on how to do that. Um, You'll find the daily challenges and journal prompts are a great roadmap for saving and getting out of debt and 
making your financial goals a reality. Get your copy of that book, The 21-Day Financial Fast, and a CD or instant download of this conversation at focusonthefamily.ca. And Michelle talked about generosity and the importance of giving to your local church and other uh, important organizations. I trust Focus on the Family is one of those organizations that uh, you consider worthy of your support. Every day we come into work um, ready to come alongside millions of folks worldwide like you who are looking for biblical trusted advice and we need your help to continue in that mission. I'll invite you today to make a difference in the lives of others by joining our support team. And you can donate today when you call 800-A-FAMILY, 800-232-6459, or visit focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire Focus on the Family staff, thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.